Hey everyone, Let's Talk About Today with Arvin is back with an all new episode. Today I'm joined by Vani Sweetland, who's running to be the Liberal candidate in the riding of Toronto St. Paul's. We talk about what's going on in Ontario, running a campaign during this unprecedented pandemic, and lots more. So make sure to tune in, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks. back to let's talk about today with arvin man it's been a while but i am glad to be back with you thank you so much for listening today i am joined by a very esteemed guest a former radio and tv host a canadian media personality and he's currently running to be the provincial liberal candidate in the riding of toronto st paul's i'm joined by vonnie sweetland vonnie how's it going I'm well, I'm well. It's going good, Arvin. Thank you so much for having me. Great, great. So, Vonnie, for those people listening who may particularly not know who you are, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your interesting career and a bit about your background? Yes, of course. So I'm 30 years old. I'm I'm a millennial, as we like to say. I have worked in the media industry for quite some time, uh, the better part of a decade. Uh, And during that time, I've worked both in front of the camera and behind. Um, I've produced and directed documentaries. Um, I've also appeared as a TV host, and I've also hosted radio shows as well. Um, Over the last few years in specific, I have decided to get a little bit more interested in philanthropy, if you will. Um, I've always lent myself to a lot of social good. Um, I've worked in various capacities, whether it's a fundraiser or whether it's a brand ambassador. And I've done those things in the areas of anti-bullying and youth empowerment. So uh, I've done some stuff with Covenant House. I've sat on a few boards and the like. Very good. Interesting. Okay. And so, as you said, you're a millennial, you're 30 years old, and you've uh, had a very uh, fascinating career. Uh, and so, as a you know a former radio TV host, a Canadian uh, media personality, you're also a you're also a small business owner. Is that correct? I am, yes. And this is one of my my newer ventures. I actually decided to get into ecom, um, and I have a online shop that is in the area of home decor and furniture. Very nice. Okay, interesting. That's that's very cool. So, yeah. with all these different fields, what particularly inspired you to want to run for office? Look, I think 2019, 2020, you know, have been a really interesting time for a lot of us. We've seen, obviously, more recently, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, We've also seen how the pandemic has revealed a lot of inequities in most of our systems, uh, most predominantly healthcare, with respect to communities of color. Um, And we've also seen that small businesses, which, uh, like you just mentioned, I'm a small business owner myself, are hurting. So for me, I have always been the type of person who looks to see how I can get involved and do my part to help. And so politics just seemed like the most appropriate answer. You know, how do we start helping folks who who are marginalized and are not being given the same opportunities as others? How do we make opportunity for business owners who are climbing an uphill battle? You know, the only way to really do that is to advocate 
for those people, um, not just through voice, not just through social media, but also, you know, through legislation and, and through government. So, you know, when thinking about all of these things, I decided to put my, my hat into the ring. Definitely. That seemed, that's very, very, uh, you know, credible reasons, of course. And uh, you got the chops for it, for sure. But the question is, you, you have this passion and this interest. Why this election? Why why running in 2022? What's what, you know, what makes provincial politics so different? And, uh, you know, it's what makes it stand out for you? <laughs> Yeah, look, I think that's a great question. Um, I will also say I've always been politically involved um, with respect to volunteering and, you know, I've worked on various campaigns and helped out with different folks who are, are sitting members, um, both both federally and provincially. And provincial politics stands out the most to me because I've identified it as being the brand of politics where you can actually have the most impact on people's everyday lives. Mm, yeah, I agree. You know, you look at healthcare here in Ontario, we call it OHEP. You know, you look at law enforcement here in Ontario, we have the OPP, uh, education. So many of these key institutions and, and systems are under provincial jurisdiction. So, you know, though I'm not disparaging federal politics because it also, you know, uh, has its importance for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, provincial politics just seems a little bit more rooted in in, in the grassroots of, of community. Um, and again, in having the best ability to reach people in their everyday lives and so that's why i've decided to run specifically in provincial politics definitely i 100 percent agree with what you said i mean i sort of look at it in the way that citizens are like uh children i guess and like the federal government is our parents so they have the ultimate responsibility for us but the provincial uh you know politicians they're like our teachers they're the people we may see the most during the week right so it's important yeah. that we have the right people in office and that the right uh certain policies and legislation is being passed because it does affect us the most um so yeah. have you always been a liberal or is this like you know more recently you've sort of taken a stand on uh which political party you support Look, I have always been quite liberal. That's not a surprise to anybody. You know, I am younger, as we just recently discussed. So I wasn't always involved in politics. Um, You know, when I was a teenager in my early 20s, I think like most folks that age, politics wasn't at the forefront for me. Um, But yeah, I would say, you know, mid 20s to to present. Yeah, I've always identified as a liberal, just from a values perspective. And I think that the other parties are great. Um, All of the parties, offer something to to different groups of people who are looking to them for support. Um, but for me personally, the Liberal Party is is the most closely aligned to my personal beliefs and values. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. So you mentioned before that you've volunteered on other campaigns. And in general, is this your first particular experience with politics and a political campaign? Or have you taken, you know, an interesting role in um, other campaigns or in other movements? Uh, look, I've done some volunteering for, for some federal members. Um, you know, when I was in, in 2016, actually, I was in Sacramento doing media work. And while I was there, I volunteered to do some phone banking for the Hillary Clinton campaign. Nice. So, you know, I've I've let myself wherever I can to, to folks who I believe in. Um, and look, this time around, uh, I'm doing it for myself. So it's certainly <laughs> unique and, and it's a different <laughs> experience because you know you're sort of at the the head of the ship but 
all of those experiences from the past have have brought me to where I am today, and, and I'm I'm really pleased. That's great. That's great. So, as we all know, we've been in this crazy pandemic for the past couple of months, and you announced your uh, candidacy during this pandemic, and so it yeah. it is an unprecedented time. So, how's it been running your nomination during a unprecedented pandemic? Yeah, I like that question because I will say I am I actually believe the first person in our party to actually start campaigning traditionally. And by traditionally, I mean knocking on doors during the pandemic. And I know that to be true because I received a call from two of our sitting MPPs um, who literally just wanted to get in touch with me to say, hey, I've seen on social media that you've actually been knocking doors during the pandemic. How have you, how have you been doing that? <laughs> um, you know, look, what, what I've said to everybody is that You have to obviously take all of the necessary precautions, number one. So from day one, when we started to knock doors and announce, you know, my potential candidacy, we made sure that we had ample amounts of hand sanitizer with us. Anybody who was knocking doors had a personal supply with them. Uh, We actually also went as far as to getting extendable claws that, you know, you 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 put your, your campaign literature in it and you extend it to hand to somebody, just making sure that we're keeping that distance. Um, everybody out and about with masks. Um, And and for the first while, we we did not go into specific residences, right? Like we wouldn't knock doors in residential communities. We started going to dog parks, community parks, anything that would give us uh, a safe distance between people Mm. as we spoke to them. Um, And then slowly worked our way up to to knocking on doors. And even then, when we when we knock on doors, what we do is, you know, we, we do our first initial knock, take a few steps back. And, and make sure we're speaking from a safe distance and we don't go into condos or apartment buildings because, of course, that is, the quarters are just too close to provide us the necessary uh, safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, you really got the outreach and uh, face-to-face sort of aspect down packed, which is good to have that sort of aspect, but with, you, with you know, the guidelines, of course, being followed. But what are some other challenges you face? Because I, I, there's been lots of, you know, methods and, um, you, you know, we can't have, like, big gatherings or anything and that is a big part of you know gaining uh support in politics so what other challenges have you faced and what other uh you know ways have you found to overcome these challenges look i'm a digital guy so i think that's no secret to anybody who (laughs) follows me on social i actually haven't found it to be that challenging because all of the things that we see many people doing now be it virtual town halls be it zoom meetings be it conference calls um be it reaching people through social these are things that i've always done over the last 10 years and other elements of my career so for me i have been conducting business as usual you know we do a lot of virtual town halls um when i want to meet with community stakeholders we jump on a zoom call five or six of us i also you know when i earn support from a constituent in the riding i say listen if you've got neighbors if you've got friends put a small group together of five to ten people get everybody's email and let's hop on a Zoom call so we can all speak about, you know, our, our commonality and, and our subjects together. And that's been working really well for me. So in my specific case, I haven't found it to be challenging. In fact, I found it to be easier because everybody 
is online now and this world of zoom and virtual is just taken everybody by storm and everybody's doing it so um, i actually think this is a quicker more effective means of reaching people that's awesome that's great so talking to people and talking to people in your community what's some of the feedback that you've gotten from uh whether people in toronto st paul's or uh you know even people you said you talked to some sitting mpps like People are taking notice to your campaign. So what's some of the feedback that you've gotten, whether about your campaign or what's, you know, about what's going on in Ontario, too? Yeah, look, um, you know, especially at the beginning, I think that was where some of the hesitation came from. A lot of folks would say, I don't know if we should start door knocking, not just me, but but anybody, because. We didn't know what the response from the public would be. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. You know, everybody's senses are heightened. Would people be really turned off by the fact that you're even knocking at the door? I actually found that people were eager to talk. And I think in large part because of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. people are at home. They've been laid off. People are in some cases sick or they have a relative or they know somebody who's unfortunately contracted COVID-19. So this was actually a time when people wanted to see either their elected officials or people seeking to become their elected official um, quite, quite often. Anywhere that I went, people had a story to share. People had something they wanted me to take home and think about. Um, And so I've heard all kinds of things. In Toronto, St. Paul specifically, um, what I've heard from most people is that they were pleased with me just just showing them support, um, just being an ear for people to, you know, to, to chat with and, and give advice, you know. Um, and then with respect to, you know, you mentioned other sitting members and, and other folks in the political realm, um, you know, most people have been very supportive and congratulatory and have said, look, you know, I follow you on social and, you know, you're very active and you're doing all the right things. And, you know, congratulations to you. And I wish you the best with your campaign. So I think overall, it's been a very positive experience. But at the same time, I know that, you know, voters here in Toronto, St. Paul's, um, they want to see us get things done for them um, at Queen's Park. Definitely, for sure, especially during this uh, during this unprecedented time. Um, so besides COVID-19, which I know is a big part of everybody, uh, everybody's important priorities, um, but you on your website, you talk about uh, how important it is for you to protect the environment, to fight climate change, uh, to make sure that we have affordable housing, and also to tackle the long-term care crisis and make sure our seniors are protected. So are yeah. there any other issues that are particularly important to you? You, and how would you, how do you think the premier has done when it's come to tackling these issues? I think it's no secret that the current premier has been wildly ineffective on many of these issues that you just mentioned. Definitely. In some cases, in some cases, crossing the line from being ineffective to downright reckless, and we've seen that with the auditor general's report that just recently came out. So. I don't have any confidence in the in the in the premier, but I always tell people my focus is on where we can go, not where we are, not where we've been, but on where we can go and what I'm looking to do for voters. Um, so I don't I don't try to speak too much uh, about not just the premier, but but anybody else who's sitting. My focus is on what I am looking to do. Um, Long term care is something that I took notice of 
very early on. In fact, I took notice of long-term care even before I announced that I was running. Um, you know, right at the, the beginning of this pandemic, I released a letter to Marilee Fullerton um, and and basically outlined some of the issues that, that I seen through doing research in the LTC sector. Um, and I called for, you know, the government to take a serious look at, at you know, the current long-term care quality inspection program. I think it needs a lot of restructuring. I think it needs to be reformed. Um, and we also need to take a firm look at a privatization in long-term care because there's a lot of issues there. We know that, you know, the death rate for COVID was a lot higher, significantly higher in uh, private LTC facilities. Um, and, and, you know, just at the bare minimum, taking, taking it outside of politics, just as a human being who has grandparents, um, I think it's I think it's pretty, pretty disgusting that the government has let these people down. And I think it's important that our elderly folks and, you know, our our grandparents are treated with, you know, the respect and dignity that they deserve. So uh, I'm looking forward to an Ontario that is led by Stephen Del Duca, who is obviously the the new leader of the Ontario Liberal Party, um, because I know that we're going to be far more progressive um, on on a lot of these issues. Definitely, for sure. And as you said, I mean, the premier let down people and their grandparents in many cases and is doing it again because uh, there's been a rise in cases and it is affecting uh, our long-term care homes once again and it's not just only our seniors as well it's also our young people and uh, the parents of our young people as well because when it's come to education you know the premier decided to go on a summer tour visiting city by city in Ontario instead of actually you know, sitting down with educators, parents, and, uh, you know, members of the school boards and creating a plan. Instead, he said, nope, I'm just going to let the, uh, the the regional boards decide for themselves and have at it. And as you can see, I mean, we've had, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cases every day. It's increasing in schools and kids are getting COVID. Uh, and they're spreading it with their families. And as we saw this huge rise this week in COVID cases uh, today, we 1,822 COVID-19 cases. I mean, this is crazy. It's getting out of hand. So what, mm-hmm. what particularly do you think you would have done or the liberal government would have done in particular? I mean, I like the liberals myself. I think they would have done a better job at this. But what do you think when it comes to education? Uh, also racism we've seen issues of racism the premier hasn't you know called out he said there isn't uh, a history of racism in Canada uh, so what what do you think a liberal government and, and a liberal team would have done different in these situations of education racism and just handling COVID-19 I guess you know that is an interesting question and it's hard to answer because the the differences are so paramount i mean it, it's like night and day mm-hmm. the first thing i can say is we would be listening to our health and science community okay um one thing that i appreciate you know with our party is that we we respect people's areas of expertise we're not a party that likes to tell astronauts how to get to space okay so when it comes to a health expert when it comes to a science expert we would be sitting and listening to these people and taking their advice so when you see an auditor general's report you would hear that we've been listening to these communities and we've been taking advice from the folks who know the best path forward that's the first thing the second thing i would say 
when it comes to education, and I have a younger sister who, you know, I oversee her education, so this actually hits a little closer to home for me, you know, we would be making sure that children have a safe environment to learn in during the pandemic. Number one, we would make sure that those class sizes are smaller. Okay, we need smaller class sizes. We've all been saying this for a a great many months now. Um, And we'd also make sure that the money that the federal government has given to the province would be allocated appropriately. We know that Doug Ford has received millions and millions of dollars from the federal government and has used maybe less than less than 10 percent yeah i mean Um, i believe we have i think nine billion dollars from the safe restart agreement which the federal government you know gave money to the provinces nine billion or something like that is still sitting unused uh and that's the problem right because we have doug ford he's thinking about you know uh, not spending too much in a time where people need help Right. We wouldn't be sitting on that money. We'd be allocating it to make sure that everybody has the resources that they need to be able to safely learn um, in an environment that's conducive to their health. So that's what we would be doing on on the coronavirus. That's what we would be what we would be doing on education. Um, and and with everything else, like I mentioned, I believe it would be night and day. You talked about racism. I can tell you that you know Michael Cotu, you know, used to you know be head of our anti anti racism directorate under Doug Ford. That was defunded. So the first thing I'll tell you is we would certainly be making sure that that is refunded. We would make sure that something like that, which is clearly extremely important would be actioned immediately. And we would be ensuring that everybody in Ontario, regardless of what background they come from, has the same opportunity and the same access to healthcare, education, and everything else alike. That's awesome. That's great. And and you're right for sure. Uh, I I like how you said it would be definitely night and day between these two governments uh, if we had a liberal government right now. Um, before we go, I wanted to talk about, uh, you sent me an article about this campaign that you're a part of to save, uh, Little Jamaica, which is located along, uh, Eglinton Avenue West. Uh, and it, it, I believe this, uh, you have like this little, uh, campaign to get people to buy more from these businesses during this tough time. Uh, I think it's December 4th to 6th. Um, so how can people help out with this campaign? And do you want to talk a little bit more about it? Of course. Look, I'm half Jamaican. I'm Jamaican-Canadian, so Little Jamaica plays a significant role in uh, my life. And of course, you know, it has a special place in my heart. Little Jamaica is in Eglinton West, which is a part of the Toronto-St. Paul's riding. Um, And, you know, they've been plagued by quite a lot of challenge, not just the pandemic, but also the ongoing LRT construction that has been extended um, over many, many years. You know, a lot of these storefronts um, have less visibility because of the construction there, um, and and they've been losing money to a, a detrimental degree for a very very long time. Um, there's been a lot of mismanagement with respect to you know that project, um, and not only that, but Little Jamaica is of course a very important cultural hub. So what I've done to actually you know literally 
as they say, put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> I've, I've put together a campaign that seeks to teach people about the importance of our cultural hubs like Little Jamaica, um, and that encourages them to spend their money on, you know, the small businesses that are still operating there. Um, and so that's what the campaign is all about. I'm really pleased to be championing it. And I'm also really pleased to see people so ecstatic about about supporting. You know, when I look at Eglinton West, I, I say, look, you know, it's it's a important piece of Ontario's history. It's an important piece of Ontario's culture. Um, and we need to treat it as such, you know, under under Doug Ford. This is just not something that has been prioritized. Um, you know, folks are are basically being ignored. And I'd also say that, you know, the NDP have not made very strong opposition um, with respect to this specific subject. Uh, as I'm out and about, you know, people don't feel that, you know, they, they've been advocated for, at least not in a way that um, has produced any results for them. So for me, I've come out, I've, I've put together this great campaign to help small businesses there. Uh, as you know, I, I haven't been elected yet. So, you know, there's only so much I can do. Um, but this is something that that just as a community advocate, I can action this. And that's what I've done. And I've also made sure that everybody in this community understands that, you know, when I am elected, and when the Liberal government does take power here in Ontario, that, you know, they, they won't be forgotten. And they'll be at the top of, of, of our priority list and they'll be treated with the respect, dignity and support that they deserve. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it's a great cause and you're running a great campaign here. Bonnie, how can people help your campaign and get involved? Absolutely. You can go to www.vonniesweetland.ca. When you go to my website, it'll actually list a multitude of ways you can help, be that through volunteering, um, whether you want to do phone banking, whether you want to knock doors, you know, whether you want to host virtual Zoom parties. There's so much that you can do. Um, so please take a look and uh, reach out if you have any questions. That's awesome. Fantastic. So anybody interested, go to his website, see how you can help. Uh, Vani, thank you once again for coming on the podcast. It was definitely great to uh, learn more about your campaign, learn more about you, and uh, I bet the, the people are going to be really interested to hear this one. So thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, please continue to be safe, and you know you have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you. Thank you.